Well, good morning. It's good to see y'all this morning. Uh, of course, we are in uh, week seven of our series this morning that we're called Unapologetic. And uh, just so that we could all kind of be on the same page in regards to our term that we're using, an unapologetic Christian is simply someone who lives out their faith in Jesus Christ, like literally without apology. Like we talked about this last week uh, with uh, in regard to our culture and where it is on issues related to morality and love and everything else, that someone uh, who is an unapologetic Christian unapologetically sides with Jesus. Like they, they side with the one who is the embodiment of love, the embodiment of truth, and the embodiment of grace. And they're confident in Him, and they're unashamed of Him, and they are faithful to Him regardless of the cost. And there will be a cost in today's culture. As we saw in the first week from Professor Robert George of Princeton, he wrote that the days of socially acceptable Christianity are surely over. The days of comfortable Christian orthodoxy are past. And I just would caution you as a Christian not to mourn that. Like, don't mourn our loss of position in regard to our culture's like hierarchy. Like, don't mourn that because nostalgia itself can become a form of idolatry. He goes on, he says, now a tame Christian, a Christian who is ashamed of the gospel, is still socially acceptable. Hey, good news. All you have to do is be ashamed of the gospel. But a Christian who makes it clear that he or she is not ashamed of the gospel must be prepared to take risks and to make sacrifices. So, Christian, are you unashamed? Like, are you unashamed of Christ? Are you unashamed of the Gospel? That's what we'll be talking about this morning. Of course, just the idea of that comes from Paul's letter to the church of Rome. In the introduction of that letter, he writes this. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the Gospel. Loud and clear, I am not ashamed of the Gospel because... It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the Gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And so Paul, Paul starts out in this letter saying, listen, I'm not ashamed of the gospel like that word ashamed means to be disgraced or even humiliated it's the kind of shame experienced by someone who has placed their confidence in the wrong thing they've placed their confidence in the wrong object and now they've been let down by that thing and as a result they're disgraced and they're humiliated so Paul is really saying here my confidence in the gospel has never been misplaced like there's never going to come a time where I'm ashamed of that decision ashamed of the gospel it could be translated I will not be put to shame by the gospel 
In fact, he says as much later on in the same letter in verse 11 of chapter 10. He says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. I mean, Christian, just think about it. That means that in eternity, like forever and ever and for all eternity, you will be celebrating your own surrender to Christ. As you look back on your life, as you think about the days you had on this earth, it won't be your marriage. It won't be the birth of your children or your grandkids. It won't be some grand accomplishment that you're celebrating. But for all eternity, you'll be thinking of the moment that the sovereign ruler of the universe opened up your eyes and moved in your heart so that you respond to the message of the Gospel and you will be singing about that. Like Paul knows, like I will never be put to shame because of the Gospel. John MacArthur writes of this verse, he says, Paul had been imprisoned in Philippi, chased out of Thessalonica, smuggled out of Berea, laughed at in Athens, regarded as a fool in Corinth, and nearly stoned to death in Galatia. But he remained eager to preach the Gospel in Rome, the seat of political power and pagan religion. Neither ridicule, criticism, nor physical persecution could curb his boldness. He was not ashamed. In fact, he tells us why. I'm not ashamed of the Gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Like that word for power is the Greek word dynamis, as in dynamite. Like what Paul is saying here is that the Gospel, though it may sound foolish to some and be offensive to others, it actually carries with it the omnipotence of God. I mean, think about it. When you open your lips to share the Gospel with someone, they may be trembling lips and you may be afraid, but you're about to share something that actually has the omnipotent power of God behind it. Because only the power of God can overcome our sin. I mean, I, I can't. I mean, the best I could ever do was become a more shiny sinner. Only the power of God could overcome my sin. Only the power of God could ultimately defeat death. Only the power of God could open up my eyes and my heart. Only the power of God could rescue us from us. And so Paul tells his readers, listen, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel. For it's the power of God unto salvation to anyone who will believe for in the Gospel, he writes, a righteousness from God is revealed. What he means is that it, it reveals a, how to have a right standing with God. Like it's a legal reality. Like when you hear the message of the Gospel, what the Gospel contains in power is this gift from God that's granted to you so that you could stand before God clean and whole and righteous. And it says that this righteousness is by faith from first to last. That means that anyone 
like anyone you know, anywhere, like anywhere they live during any time in history, if they will simply place their faith in Christ alone for their salvation, they will experience not only exoneration, like God's exoneration, but also His justification. What I mean by that is not only will God say they're not guilty, because in courts, a lot of times people are declared not guilty simply because not that they're innocent, but there's not enough evidence to convict them. God has all the evidence in the world to convict us. Like He has everything we've ever done, everything we've failed to do, every thought that we've ever had laid before Him, and God in Christ exonerates us of that. Declares that we are not guilty, but goes beyond that and justifies us. Declares because of Christ that we are righteous. Like He gives us the royal robe of Christ white and clean and makes us clean as well. Like, have you ever experienced that for yourself? Like, have you experienced Jesus Christ declaring you righteous? Like, have you ever led anyone else to? Have you ever had the opportunity to share the Gospel and see someone respond to that message? Like, this astonishing gift, because it is astonishing, forces us to ask the question, why would any believer ever be ashamed of the Gospel? Well, let me give you three reasons. The first reason a believer is ashamed of the Gospel is because they don't believe. Right? Like There are believers that are not believers. There are believers that don't believe. There are people who go to church, believe it or not, who aren't, who aren't actually Christians. Like I've said it for years, that going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger or going to Chick-fil-A makes you a nugget. Right? Like if that's what you're hoping on, if you're hoping that your presence in this room will somehow sanctify you and set you right with God, I'm sorry, it won't. There are people who would claim to be believers, but they really don't believe. Jesus said of them, many will come to Me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we? And then they kind of read the resume of all the righteousness that they did for Him. And He says, I'll tell them on that day, depart from Me, I never knew you. Like these are nominal Christians. Christians in name only. But I believe that where our culture is today, that the sun is actually setting on nominal Christianity in the West. And I believe that that's a good thing. I mean, honestly, who wants to be guilty by association with something they don't hold to with all their heart? And one reason that people are who call themselves believers are ashamed of the Gospel is because they don't believe. Another reason is because they do believe, but they're not believing. Like they believe the Gospel, but they're not living in the Gospel. They're not, they're not resting in the Gospel. They've kind of moved on from the cross. Like here's an example. Like in the book of Galatians, Paul tells of a time when the Apostle Peter came to that region where Paul was, and Peter 
was hanging out with these Gentile Christians, eating with them, spending time with them, enjoying sweet fellowship with his brothers in Christ in the Gentile worlds. And then these religious zealots came from Jerusalem who claimed to know Jesus, but that believed that the path to knowing Jesus was the Old Testament law and being circumcised and everything else. Peter himself, along with Barnabas, gets so intimidated by them that he pulls away from the Gentiles and only starts hanging out with these guys. Now Paul witnesses this and he says that when he saw it, he had to confront the Apostle Peter to his face because he, he says his conduct was not in step with the truth of the Gospel. Like you're not living like grace. You're not living like the Gospel. You're not living like freedom. You look like you're still under the law. You're still a slave. Church, is your conduct in step with the Gospel? Because we never graduate from the Gospel. Like to mature as a Christian doesn't mean you become more and more self-sufficient. To mature as a Christian means that you become more and more dependent on the Gospel, dependent on that cross. Here's a great principle to remember. Distance is dangerous. Like the further you get away from the cross as a Christian, like the worse off you will be. Like we cling to the cross, not just for salvation, but for everything. And so, so a few reasons some people don't like who say they're believers are ashamed of the gospel is one, they don't really believe. Another is they do, but they're not actually believing. But the main reason is simply this they are afraid. Like there was a multi generational survey uh, recently taken by the people who did the Jesus film project, and they ask this question, what pre prevents you from sharing your faith? What prevents you from sharing your faith? And among their answers were the usual suspects, right? I'm super duper busy. Like I'm just so busy. Or I don't really have any kind of relationship with any non-Christians. Or I, you know what? Honestly, I'm just apathetic. But overwhelmingly, the number one answer given was because they were afraid. Like it shows up in many different forms. They, they mentioned that they were afraid of rejection. If I open my mouth and start talking about this, what if they reject me? This, it, it's a fear of losing relationships. What if they not just reject me, but like that relationship just tanks as a result of it? Or it's fear of being thought of as too pushy. You know, coming across that way, fear of being stumped by a hard question that you don't have the answer to, fear of being identified with those kind of Christians, the ones who always try to convert you. And guys, understand that fear is not new. Like this isn't a, a new reason for people being ashamed of the gospel. Paul writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 in his very last letter tells Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Like Timothy, I love you, but I know that you tend to be pretty timid. And I want you to know, that didn't come from God. Okay? That's your personality. You may have gotten it from your upbringing, but you certainly did not get it from the Spirit of God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, 
but one of power, dynamis, love, and sound judgment. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. See how he links those two ideas, fear and being ashamed? Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, His prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the Gospel, relying on the power of God. And then he tells Timothy, for this Gospel, I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and teacher. And that is why I suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. Because I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that He is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. You see, Paul knew that everyone who believes in Him will never be put to shame. It's an impossibility. Like, Do you believe that? Like, Do you truly believe that all of your life is a test of your loyalty to Christ. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that all of your life is a test of your fears and your faith? And what will rule out one or the other? Do you really believe that the one with whom you have trusted all of your eternity can be trusted also with all of your right here, right now, all of your fears, all of your concerns, all of your worries, everything that runs through your, mouth, your, your mind in the middle of a sermon, that He can be trusted with that. We sang about it last week. To Him, because He lives, because He set me free, I will rest my fears where I trust my future. Guys, because Jesus lives, because He lives, we will live also. And because of that, we have a place that we can bring all of our fears, our worries, our concerns, all the things that send our stomach into just a, an ache and a turmoil, and we can bring them to Him. We trust Him with eternity. We can trust Him with that as well. So those are three reasons that people tend to be Ashamed of the Gospel? Let me give you three quick reasons why you shouldn't be ashamed. The first one is this. It's because religion is only good news for good people. Religion is only good news for good people. What I mean by that is religion is really about everything that you do to get God's attention, to get His affection, to warrant His favor. Like religion is a treadmill that you step on and you can never turn off. Like religion is a good gig for people who are super disciplined. They kind of have it all together. They're that type A personality. They see a goal and they go for it. And nothing's going to get in their way. How many of those do we have in this room? Like religion's a good deal for people like that because they get on the treadmill and they keep moving. And they won't slow down. In fact, they'll speed it up because they see another guy on a treadmill going a little bit faster than them. Like, but that's all that religion is. Right? Religion is something that you could never master. It doesn't, you don't master it. It masters you. That's why Paul, when he writes to the Galatian church, he says, listen, he says, I am astonished. Like, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different Gospel. That's not the Gospel at all. 
like these people were caught up in all this religious ritual and they thought, well, you know what? I, I believe in Jesus, but I need to do this stuff too. Like I need to be circumcised. I need to celebrate these holy days with the rest of uh, the Jews. I need to become an Israelite so I can become a Christian. And he says, I am absolutely astonished that you walked away from a gospel of grace for that. That's slavery. Religion is only good news for good people, but the gospel is good news for bad people like us. The gospel is good news for all people because it's not about what God, it's not about what you do for God, but about what God has done for you to rescue you from yourself. That's why throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, we read songs of deliverance. Like that's why you have like Psalm 40 where David says, I waited patiently on the Lord. And He inclined and He heard my cry. And then He lifted me out of this pit, out of the miry clay. And He set my foot on a rock. And He placed a new song in my heart. A song of praise to my God. David sings of the deliverance of God, not at how He turned the treadmill up to seven. Like in the Psalms, in Psalm 67, it says, as the message of deliverance goes out, the message of the Gospel, it says, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Not let the nations believe. No, as a result of their belief, they're glad and they sing for joy. They can't shut up about it. Like David puts it this way in Psalm 40, he says, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and faithfulness. God, I can't shut up about you. I can't stop talking about you. Because religion is only good news for good people, but the Gospel is good news for bad people, is good news for all people. And the Gospel begins where every religion in the world hopes to end. Like I've said that my entire time as your pastor. I've been saying this for 30 years as a pastor. Like it just astonishes me. I remember reading for the first time in the Gospel of John the words of Jesus where He said, my sheep know my voice. And so they follow me. And then I give unto them eternal life and they will never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I remember reading that and just being having this thought like, what? Like showing it to my mom and saying, mom, can you believe this? Like Jesus is saying that if I simply trust in Him, I'm never going to perish. I'm definitely going to heaven. I'm in a relationship with Him. I'm in a relationship with His Father. It's absolutely secure and can never be taken from me. And my mom said, that makes no sense at all. And she was right because the Gospel makes no sense at all. 
Who would have thought up this? Like the Gospel is not intuitive. You could not sit under a tree contemplating reality and come up with the message of the Gospel. You'd come up with a religion, but you would not come up with a God of grace coming down as your substitute. Dying in your place. Being raised from the dead. And all we have to do to experience His forgiveness is lean our lives on Him. To trust in Him as our Savior, as our Deliverer, as our Lord. Like that's the best deal in the world. I gotta tell you, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because I'm not selling it. It's already been bought. I'm just giving it away. There's no bait and switch. It's, it's such good news, guys, that after Paul finished explaining it in Romans chapter 5, he paused and had to write Romans chapter 6 because people would say, well, if that's it, I might as well just live like any way I want. And Paul's like, okay, you understand the Gospel, but you don't understand the Gospel. It's so free. <laughs> you don't work for it, but it works in you. Let me show you how. Guys, imagine if you discovered a 100% natural, 100% effective, 100% free cure for every form of cancer. Like how much of your time and your energy and your resources would you give to make sure that every man, woman, and child had access to that? That's your mission if you choose to accept it. Like if we choose to accept it, what we're doing is we are distributing to the world the most precious gift they will ever receive. Like the gospel is the is the one hundred percent effective cure for the terminal disease of sin. And so, guys, guys, with that, I want to invite a friend of mine to come up on stage. This is uh, Don Porter. Uh, many of y'all know Don. Don uh, is a member of City View Bible Church, our sister church, and he is our trainer in evangelism explosion. Uh, the guy who's going to be leading the training on March 4th and 5th and getting us ready for not only sharing our faith with our friends, but also for the Go Hutto trip. Uh, he's been with us now for what, 40 or 50 years? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. It seems like a long time. I can't remember. 41. Yeah, 41 years. Yeah. But, uh, so Don, we're doing this thing uh, where y'all are actually going like door to door, knocking on doors and talking to people about your faith, which is turbo old school. Like you would think, okay, that we need to change our method. Like how, like what kind of experience have you had taking the, the gospel to, to Hutto? Like what's the reception been like? Uh, honestly, I have been in gospel ministry for 50 years and what we're experiencing here in Hutto is the best thing since I began in the ministry in the 1970s and we're still in the Jesus movement. Hmm. God is doing amazing things in Hutto. Amen. Yeah, coming out of the 60s into the early 70s, there is what's been called the Jesus People Movement where a generation of people were disenlightened or disen like just franchised by all the false promises of the culture, and they just wanted truth. And God brought people to faith by the millions. And uh, so that's, that's a tall order right there. Oh, 
it's exciting. So tell, tell us about some of your experiences going well, door to door. Um, I think it was the second week we were out and we were visiting a poor part of Hutto knocking on doors. And uh, most people weren't very responsive. And we got to one door and we start talking to the lady and she's open to the gospel. So we're going through the gospel with her. And right in the middle of the presentation, she stops and she said, well, what took you so long? She said, I've been praying since last night. And, uh, but uh, how many houses have we visited? Knocked on doors. And 800. 800 houses. And we presented the gospel 100, over 150 times. And, and we have seen uh, almost 50 people pray to receive Christ and amen. His gift of eternal life. Amen. And two of those people, amen, amen, God is good. Amen. Two of those people that prayed to receive Christ died within weeks of their prayer. One was uh, sick. Uh, Ann was over there visiting him, and they said he can't come to the door. He's too sick. Ann said if he's too sick, he needs to come to the door. <laughs> and so they brought him, went through the gospel with him. He prayed to receive Christ. They came back for the follow-up visit, and he wasn't there. He had already died. <laughs> and the family was Catholic. And the wife said, you know, I feel bad he didn't even have his last rites. And Ann said, I think he had his last rites three weeks ago when at this door he confessed Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 So, Don, tell me, why are you not ashamed of the gospel? I'm not ashamed of the gospel because I have seen its power in transforming my life and transforming others. And also... More than anything else in the world, I love Jesus Christ. And I know that 95% of professing Christians go to heaven and have never led anybody to Jesus Christ. Yet Jesus told his disciples, follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. I want to be a fisher of people. Amen. Well, thank you, brother. Thank, thank you. you. If you want to sign up to be part of that training, you can use your church center app. And just sign on, and uh, um, on on that March fourth, uh, that Friday evening, and March fifth. Next, I'd like to invite uh, a friend uh, up. And uh, before I bring him up, uh, I'm going to introduce you to somebody. Some of y'all know that uh, uh, he is a missionary in the part of the world that we can't talk about in the service because it's being recorded and it's also uh, online right now. Uh, I also can't mention him by name, though many of you know his name. And so I'm going to invite a Jay up who is serving in East Asia. There we go. Jay, you're just an initial. I am just an initial. You know, Jay was one of the, the guys in uh, Men in Black. So <laughs> like that was true. Will Smith. That's you, man. <laughs> All right. Okay, so why don't, why don't you tell us, like you are in a part of the world where... Uh, it's not easy, where it's a challenge. We don't have a gathering like this of brothers and sisters singing these praises to God, like encouraging your own heart. Uh, why? Like what got you to go there and what caused the agency that sent you to be targeting areas like that around the globe? Okay. So uh, the agency that, that sent us that uh, we're under... They only focus on the darkest parts of the world, the spiritually darkest parts of the world, those parts where either the gospel has not 
gone or is, is very limited or where it's very difficult to get into. And, and so that's, that's our agency's focus um, for myself. Uh, I was pulled to this country, um, this region, because of the, the people group that we work under, or that we work with or in. Um, this is a people group that is 0.01% reached with the gospel. Um, they are populated around 15 million people, and um, the island that they come, they come from is a visual for everyone here. Um, the island that they come from basically is uh, as long as coming from Gerald all the way down to Louvain. And as far as I know, I only know of five churches in that entire area. Hmm. So if you could drive, how many churches do you think you'd see from Gerald all the way down to Louvain? And uh, there's five. So these people are very lost, and they, um, they are uh, very resistant. <laughs> um, but we believe it's God's uh, purpose to see all people have a chance to know him. We, see, we believe it's God's, um, to his glory, for us to go and take the gospel to them. And uh, we continue to endeavor to see that happen. So why are you unashamed of the gospel? The gospel is a beautiful thing. Um, it, uh, it reunites us with our Father and uh, it gives us a new life. And um, it's for His glory that we need to take that gospel to other people. And it's only a good thing. Um, I think it's lovely partly because of the fact that by us going and giving the gospel to other people, it's not our job to cause them to believe. It's not our job to, to come with this beautiful argument or, or presentation. It's just our job to share what God's done in our life and how he can change their life and let God do the rest. God does the saving, we just do the sharing. I think that's beautiful. Amen. So you've been there eight years. You met your wife there, got married. Uh, how can we be praying for you? Uh, well, uh, right now, <laughs> my wife and I are, um, we are uh, support raising. And uh, we're here in America until June. We would love the opportunity to, to meet with people. We need to raise uh, about 2500 more in need of support because uh, we're going to start a new. And uh, we'd love the opportunity to meet people that would like to join us on that journey. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you, brother. Now, he'll be here after the service for anybody who wants to talk to him. Also, uh, like he's been to our small group. He's going to the spelling small group uh, tonight. If you want to invite him to your small group, him and his wife, uh, they would love to go there and share in detail uh, with names and pictures of what God is doing in their uh, section of the world. Guys, the gospel begins where every religion in the world hopes to end. Uh, and so I would encourage you, if you haven't participated in the gospel training on March 4th and 5th, Use your app and sign up for that. Uh, if you haven't done our Go Huddo trip in the past, it may be the next step for you. That's on June 5th to 11th. They're going to be uh, praying over and knocking on doors in the neighborhood of Major Meadows. Uh, be praying for us as we try to take the gospel uh, outside of Huddo into other parts of the world. And one of those parts being uh, Taylor, Texas, as we look at planting a church there. Uh, 
um, in the next couple of years. And so be praying for our steps and moving toward that. Pray for one of our own, uh, Rose Holman, who's going to be leaving for Africa soon. You can see her prayer cards in the back. Uh, be praying for her and looking at ways that you can prayerfully support her. Uh, want to thank you as a church for your faithful giving. Uh, your giving allows us to do all of that. And this past week, your faithful giving allowed us to bless one of our church plants with the association. Uh, uh, Austin Bridge Church uh, launched in the domain two weeks ago, and which is awesome. And but. Finding a place to meet is really difficult. They're meeting at the Archer Hotel, but it's very expensive, more than they expected. They were about $1,000 short uh, for per month for their rent. And so the elders voted, and we have committed as a church $1,000 a month for the next 10 months. So $10,000 uh, to get that church off the ground. And so we want to pray for Austin Bridge and for Pastor uh, Juhan Kim, who is the pastor at that church. And uh, guys, I want to close by just saying, um, uh, though this will, I'm sure, come off as really stupid, uh, we're not selling vacuum cleaners. Like I remember as a newlywed, a guy came to our door and he was selling vacuum cleaners. And he was a great salesman. Like I wanted that vacuum cleaner. Like I didn't realize how I could not live without that vacuum cleaner. And I could have that vacuum cleaner and there was, all I had to do was sign on the dotted line and there was this long payment plan for a vacuum cleaner. Guys, just to let you know, if you have a payment plan for your vacuum cleaner, you're in over your head, okay? You don't need a payment plan for a vacuum cleaner, but this guy wanted to sell me one because it was the best. Or was it? Like, I didn't buy it because it costs so much money and because there's probably a better vacuum cleaner out there or a cheaper vacuum cleaner out there. Or I can buy one with that much money and let it break and a year later I can buy another one. But the thing that we're bringing to people, first of all, it's free. Jesus paid for it. And it's the best and there's nothing better and it's absolutely permanent and you never need an upgrade. That's the Gospel. That's what the cross provided. And so as we prepare our hearts for communion, guys, just understand that this table, as we meet week to week around it, this table is a proclamation of the Gospel. Like this table is a proclamation of the message of the Gospel. And so I'm going to ask you in a second to stand up and as the first song is sang, I want you to make your way to the front and get your elements and then take them back. But guys, we preach the gospel at this table and we sing the gospel at this table. And how could we not? To Him who took that cross and took down all my sin, all my shame I bring, all my soul will sing. To Him who broke my chains to live as Christ, to die as gain, there is nothing I want more than my last breath confess a life lived all for Him.